0: Well, What's happening, Second Chance? So glad that you are joining us online today. For those of you that <laughs> might have shown up at church and forgot we had an online service only, sorry about that. We do have you on video. We'll be, I'm just kidding, we won't show it. Well, we might look at it, but we won't show it. We'll, actually, we might show it later. Anyway, long story short, super glad that you're joining us today from wherever you're joining us from. We will have um services next week January 5th. We will have live services and we're super pumped about what the Lord did in our Christmas services. That was just an amazing amazing time together to celebrate. But um today I just wanted to talk about something that I believe is going to set us up um for the year 2020. Now, some of you are watching right now but you haven't really heard anything I've said because you're wondering Pastor P, did you get contacts for Christmas? And the answer is no, I didn't get contacts. I've tried contacts before, but they didn't work. So the, the truth is, I'm I can't see anything. I'm I'm blind as a bat right now. Um, but I I can I can see where not to step on this stage and that because that would be bad. But um the way I started wearing glasses years and years and years ago, I'm talking back before the dinosaurs when I was like six years old. My dad um, took me out shooting with some family friends, and we're all kind of out shooting a Red Rider BB gun at a paint can. I'll never, I never will forget this. And the the people that were with me, in fact, the kids my age, were like hitting the paint can over and over and over again. And, and my dad would hand me the BB gun, and I could not hit the paint can. Every time I shot at the paint can, I missed it. And And so my dad... He was. I don't know if he was mad. I don't know if he was embarrassed. I don't know if he's concerned. He kind of pulled me aside and said, "Can you not see that can?" And I was like, "Well, well, kind of." And I really couldn't see it that well, but I didn't want to disappoint him. And long story short, the next day, him and my mom had me at the optometrist. That's an eye doctor. They had me at the optometrist, and I can. I never forget sitting in the chair, and he's looking at that. He's got the big thing, and he's looking at my eyes. And I remember him going, oh, wow, which by the way, that's never something you, you want your doctor to ever say when they're looking at anything about you. Oh, wow. And he turned to my dad and said, I can't believe this boy has been able to see at school. Like, I don't understand his vision is horrible. Now it's, um, I've my, my left, I always got my left eye is pretty strong. This eye right here just almost done for. Like it's almost a lazy eye. I can't even really see. But what they did that day was they gave me, or they had made for me a pair of glasses. And they said, he can't see right now really good, but once we put the glasses on him, he will have 20-20 vision. In fact, fact, he will have 20-15 vision. This eye right here is great. So I had 20-20 vision. I never will forget walking out of the doctor's office that day and discovering that trees had leaves on them, that grass had blades. I I saw things that I never had seen all because I was able to put on glasses for the very first time. That's what I want us to do today. I'm not gonna take a lot of your time because I know you're still trying to get over Christmas and get ready for the new year. But I thought, man, I want our church to step into 2020 with a solid vision, but before, but before we step in to our church having a solid vision, I think, this is just me, I think it's a tragedy if our church has a solid vision, but us as individuals, we don't have a vision for our own lives. And so what I want to do today is I want to ask three questions that will help us step into 2020 and actually have a 2020 vision, something that will help us to see clearly to become more like Christ um, and to become just just more like Christ, and for our church to become more like Christ. Because as we, as individuals, become more like Jesus, our church naturally becomes more like Jesus. So, let me ask three questions, and at the end we're going to review all three, and I'm going to ask you maybe even to share on Facebook, if you're watching on Facebook right now, which question stood out to you the most. We're going to talk about three questions that I believe we need to ask in order to step into 2020 and have a vision possibly, I think, the greatest year we've ever lived. Here we go. Question number one. How can I do a better job of loving others? That, I just came right out of the gate with that one, right? How can I do a better job? Now, don't if you're sitting there right now and you're hoping, oh my gosh, I hope so-and-so hears this, you missed the point. It, this is all about us. This is deeply personal. You know how some people say, don't take this personally? I want all of us to take this personally. How can I do a better job of loving others? Because, well, let me set it up this way. The very first football game, college football game, uh, Division I college football game I ever went to was the Clemson-South Carolina game in 1981 at Williams-Brice Stadium when Clemson was going undefeated. Um, my dad took me and my mom down there to the football game. Now, on the way, this is my, I've never been to a college football game before in my life. On the way down, I was kind of curious, how will I be able to tell, now, it's kind of ridiculous to think about this right now, but I was, you know, I never had seen, we didn't have social media or anything like that. How will I be able to tell who's a Clemson fan and who's a Carolina fan? But once I got there, it was really easy to distinguish the difference. I mean, the Clemson fans had on orange, um, the Carolina fans had on garnet and, and black, right? At the end of the game, Clemson fans were happy. Carolina fans were sad. Nothing has changed in like 30 years. Anyway, uh, <laughs> um, I, I was able to tell who was pulling for who by what they were wearing. Now, all of us have certain things that we wear that identify us with certain tribes. Like maybe it's a Nike you know, t-shirt or Adidas shoes, and people can look at it and say, oh, they're a Nike fan or an Adidas fan, or they like that music group or whatever. But... What is it that sets us apart as followers of Jesus? Like, what is the identifying mark that really does distinguish us as being a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it, is it a, a cross necklace? It is, is it the tattoo that says, it is finished? I mean, all those things, they do make a statement. But at the end of the day, Jesus clarified this. In fact, he gave a solid vision on this in two verses, which if I've came back to two verses over the past three and a half, four years, these are the two verses that I come back to over and over and over again. Imagine this scenario. Jesus is sitting at the table, and he's participating in what we now call the Lord's Supper. This is the night before he is crucified. This is the night before he's going to be publicly shamed And executed. And he's talking to his disciples about some things. And he says, he says this. And if you've been in church world, you've heard this for so many times. But I don't want you to look at it and put your mind on automatic pilot. I really want us to take into consideration what Jesus is saying in these verses because they're loaded. Watch this. So now, this is Jesus talking to his disciples. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Now, let me pause real quick. When Jesus said that, I don't know this for sure, but this would be my guess. Everybody at the table sighed and rolled their eyes because they already had over 600 commandments and none of them could keep 600 commandments. In fact, none of us can keep 600 commandments. I mean, let's be honest. None of us can keep 10 commandments. I mean, none of us can keep one commandment because we all break the speed limit, right? We all break the speed limit and have fallen short of the glory of God. So, so Jesus is telling them, I got something brand new for you. I'm, I'm giving you a new commandment. And they're thinking, dear Lord, which like literally dear Lord, <laughs> they're thinking, dear Lord. We don't need anything new. We can't do all this other stuff right here. And so he's given us something new. All right, Jesus, go ahead and tell us. What do you have new for us that we need to do? And then he said this, love each other. On the surface, that sounds really easy because let's be honest. Some people are easy to love. They really are. Like if you're driving down the road and you're having to pull out in the traffic and somebody lets you in, it's easy to love that person. You kind of do the wave and they do the wave. Easy to love that person. It's easy to love somebody that gave you an awesome Christmas gift, right? It's easy to love that person. It's easy to love. It's easy to love somebody that takes your side in an argument. It's, it's easy to love that person. Some people are super easy to love. And then some people though, some people are really difficult to love. Now, you don't have to If you watch online. Don't put anybody's name in. Um, but some people are like, if they, if they come after you on social media or if you disagree politically or it's college foot, when college football season, you know certain people are going at each other, it's difficult to love somebody that pulls against your team. Some people are really difficult to love. So Jesus says, love each other. And at first, I'm sure everybody at the table is thinking, Well, yeah, I I can do that. I can can love people. But most of the time when we're told to love other people, we think about the people that are like us because it's easy to love those that are like us. But then Jesus takes it to the next level and he clears up any confusion that we may have when it comes to loving other people. He said, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. That that right there took it to the next level. Because I'm going to be honest with you and don't judge me because you're the same way. I love people that are easy to love. And I love people that love me back. But, but people that are angry or bitter or, or whatever, I, I have a hard time loving people. Somebody that's attacking, I have a hard time loving those people. But Jesus tells the disciples, hey, the way I've loved you, which by the way, let me pause, and this isn't gonna come up on the screen, but I'm just gonna share two things. Jesus loves us unconditionally and unceasingly. I'll say it again. Jesus loves us unconditionally, meaning there's nothing that any of us can do to separate us from the love of God. And he loves us unceasingly, meaning he'll never stop loving us. And Jesus said, the way I've loved you, that's how you're supposed to love other people. Now, imagine who's sitting at the table with him. There's Matthew. And I'm sure Jesus may have locked eyes with Matthew and Matthew locked eyes with Jesus and Matthew remembered, you know, when I met Jesus, I was a tax collector and, and everybody had given up on me but when everybody had given up on me, Jesus still loved me. And that's the way Jesus wants me to love other people. If Jesus didn't give up on me, then he doesn't want me to give up on other people. And I'm, I'm saying this for somebody watching today that you feel like Jesus has given up on you. Just think back to the table where Matthew is sitting. Jesus didn't give up on Matthew. Jesus hasn't given up on you either. Jesus loves you as much as more than you could ever imagine. And then he's looking at Matthew going, that's how you need to love other people. I'm sure Jesus locked eyes with Peter. Here's what's crazy. Peter's greatest sin hadn't even happened yet. The denial, he didn't, after this, he denied Christ three times. And Jesus still loved and pursued him after the resurrection. So Jesus is looking at Peter going, you know, I love you. Right now, Jesus is looking at Thomas who doubted the resurrection ever took place. And he's going, Thomas, you gotta love people even when they doubt, even when they deny, even when they turn away. That's Jesus's command for you and me. He said, love one another. And then he says this, then he says this. And this for me, this for me, when I first really realized it was the kicker. Your love for one another Will prove to the world, you are my disciples. That's what he said. He didn't say, Your music selection will prove. He didn't say, The movies you watch will prove. He didn't say, The jewelry you wear will prove. The slogan on your t shirt will prove. Now, once again, I'm not, I'm not trying to bring up all that for just to make everybody mad. I'm just saying, I know people that listen to Christian music, that don't go to rated R movies, that have a cross necklace and maybe a tattoo on their arm, and they're just absolutely mean. And 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 being a follower of Jesus and being rude or mean are two things that just aren't supposed to go together. Jesus said the world would know that we are his by the way we Love each other unconditionally and unceasingly. So, earlier this year, I taught a prayer. I taught our entire church a prayer. In fact, we did an entire message around this one thing, and I wanted to circle back around to it because I think it's essential for us going into 2020, if we want to be more like Jesus, to revisit this prayer. And so when we talked about Jesus teach me to see people as you see people. In other words, teach me to see my relative. Teach me to see my boss as you see my boss. In in, in my case, teach me to see Coupon Lady, right? (laughs) He might even be mad at Coupon Lady a little bit, but let's be honest. But, But Jesus, teach me how to see people like you see people because 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 As somebody much wiser than me said one time when we see like Jesus sees we're more likely to do what Jesus says Jesus said the world would know we are his by the way we love one another which leads to question number 2 stepping into the year 2020 I'm having 2020 vision how can i have clarity in my spiritual journey how Can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? Now, this is is my phone, and I have been on my phone this month probably more than I've been on my phone all year long. I've had a a lot of people that I've been chatting with and talking to and encouraging and dealing with some situations, um, good and, and bad. And typically, I don't know about you, but I get on the phone when I get in my car. And so I'm, I'm driving around Anderson or I'm driving around Greenville and I'm chatting on the phone and I've discovered the, t- the hard way um, through my conversations. And that happens on the other end too, that sometimes we can drive through what we call a bad spot. <laughs> and when we drive through a bad spot, the person on the other line is like, Hey, I was there. De- I, de- I, can you believe that? And you're like, I don't know what you just said. And then it happens again and there's and the connection is broken up. The connection is is jacked up and you want to take your phone and you want to throw it against the wall, but you don't because that wouldn't be love I mean, love one another. Don't know. Might not include phones. Nah, they didn't have phones back then. So anyway, so I've learned something very valuable about connection. Like it does us no good to have this device If it's not connected to Wi-Fi or if it's not connected to some sort of data service, it does us no good. In other words, we got to have connection. You say, Peter, how does that apply to a spiritual journey? I'm glad you asked. Without connection, without connection to Jesus, we have no direction. All of us are on a spiritual journey. All of us, every single person has a next step. And your walk with God. And don't miss this, don't miss this. God wants us to get it right more than we want to get it right. But if there is no connection, there will be no direction. So when I talk about connection and direction, I'm not going to give you a list of 72 things you can do because we covered all that at the Christmas Eve services about the shepherds and things like that. So I'm not going to give you a list of all the things you need to do or don't do and all this other stuff. I'm asking this question What is it that you do that connects you to the heart of God more than anything else? What is it? Is it is it prayer? Is it meditation? Is it scripture reading? Is it listening to a worship song? Is it like, like, what is it? What spiritual activity do you do that connects you to the heart of God, that connects you with Jesus and you actually feel more connected when you do that more than anything else? Some people journal, some people, like, I'll, I'll just tell you mine, I'll just tell you mine. And, and it's, in, it's in this order. Number one is for me is reading my Bible. Now, some people like, I don't read the Bible, I don't understand the Bible, I can't understand, I get that, I'm not saying if you don't read your Bible, you're not a good Christian. I will say that there are some translations, Um, the translation that I preach out of every week uh, is the New Living Translation. In my opinion, it's the easiest translation to understand if you have trouble Uh, reading the Bible because you don't understand the Kingeth, Jameth, Englisheth. You can go to the New Living Translation, and it's super easy to understand. Anyway, but for me, I've always enjoyed the Bible. I've always always felt connected with Jesus. I love listening to worship music if I want to feel connected. Um, And there are just times, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've been riding down the road, and I'm by myself, and the worship song's playing, and it just hits me. Like the reality of what I am singing, or what because I always sing with my worship music. I'm the greatest singer in the world in my truck. But I am singing and it just hits me and you're weeping at the red light and the person next to you looking at you and you just kind of wave them off. I'm fine, I'm fine. It's super awkward. And then the third way is is prayer. Now, I'm not one of these people that can go into a room and pray for an hour, but I do love to like throughout the day just pray little prayers. And those things help me feel connected to God and they really 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 do help me in my spiritual journey because listen consistency in connection always gives us direction i'll say it again consistency in connection will always give us direction it's consistency i like listen next week the gym when i say the gym every gym in america is going to be slammed <laughs> But it's gonna it's gonna last an average of 10 to 14 days. You know why? Because people are gonna go and they're not gonna have a six-pack abs, right? So they're gonna go get a six-pack and go home. They're not gonna have six-pack abs in 10 days. So they quit. But everybody that's been in the gym or the fitness world knows it's consistency. The same thing in our walk with Jesus: consistency and connection leads to direction. Because I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna tell y'all something probably, no pastor may have ever said before, but there's some days I read my Bible, and I don't feel like I got anything out of it. I just, I just read it and I was like, oh. okay, I read it. But it's not about what we get out of it. It's what we put into it that matters. And I know, I know for me personally, just my consistency, even during those days that you don't feel like it, the consistency and connection has brought about incredible direction. Last year, before we were able to move into the facility that that we're in right now, probably October, November, I was personally having, um, a, <laughs> I was having an oh crap moment because I've shared this with y'all before. I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do it. God, can I do this? God, should I do this? In fact, I just told God, a couple of times, I don't want to do this. I don't feel strong enough to pastor or lead a church again. I don't feel, I don't feel like I'm the guy. And I never will forget this morning because I marked it in my Bible. I just I got up and I happened to be reading through Zechariah. Now, Zechariah is in the Old Testament. It's a minor prophet. Not too many of us have probably dug into Zechariah very much. I haven't dug into Zechariah, but just that morning, I happened to be reading through the book of Zechariah, and I'm struggling with whether or not this is what I really needed to do. And I got to Zechariah chapter four, verse nine, and I feel like God really did like like get my attention with this verse. Zechariah 4, nine, he said, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. That was a game changer for me. Because we were in the process of building this out. We weren't finished yet. And all my doubts and all my securities were coming up to the surface. And I read this verse. Now, listen, listen, I want to pause real quick. No, I don't think that thousands of years ago, God said, Perry is going to be in his kitchen. He's going to be reading this verse. Zechariah, write this down because Perry needs it. Um, That's, I don't think that, but I do believe that in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, the Bible, the scripture says the Bible is living and active. So there are verses that can capture our attention. And this verse captured my attention. And, but, but you might find this hard to believe. You might find, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a skeptic. I'm a skeptic. And so while I read this verse, I was thankful. But then in the back of my mind, I, I really do wrestle. I'm like, that's awesome, yes. All right, God, that was good, but, but I'm going to need a little bit more. I literally said that out loud. and God has a sense of humor because just a few verses later, some of you are wondering, is this true? All my illustrations are always true. I'm telling you the, I'm telling you the God-honest truth right now. Zechariah 4.13, just a few verses later I'm reading, he said, so don't be afraid, be strong, and get on with rebuilding the temple. It was a game changer. That would not have happened. I'm telling you, we would not be in this facility had it not been for that moment where my heart was connected with God through what sets my heart on fire the most. So I don't know what it is. Maybe, this is my challenge. I'm not saying you have to do this. God loves you whether you do this or whether you don't. I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you that at the end of the day, if you will take 10 minutes as soon as you get up and do whatever it is that connects you to the heart of Jesus, your, your days will be better. Because listen, listen, at the end of the day, a disciple is someone who follows Jesus. So it's not somebody who has a bunch of theological knowledge and can talk in Greek. A disciple is someone who simply follows Jesus. And once again, as someone much wiser than me said one time, following Jesus will make your life better. Following Jesus will make you better at life. Following Jesus will make your life better. Following Jesus will make you better at life. I know that's true for me. It's how I try to start my day out every single day. Maybe it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes reading your Bible. 10 minutes listening to worship music. Maybe it's five minutes listening to worship music, five minutes reading your Bible. Maybe it's three minutes listening to a worship song, three minutes reading your Bible, three minutes. I don't care what it is, but you, if you could figure out a way to start your day, the first five to 10 minutes, with establishing a connection, the direction for your life spiritually will go to brand new levels. I'm hoping that every time You walk in the doors of Second Chance or any time you walk online that there's a connection. But it's awesome when we can walk in and we've been connected all week and this is just a bunch of connected people connecting together. That's when we rip the roof off of this place. That's what we're going to do next week, January. Don't miss it. We started a series called The Table. Last but not least question. Last but not least question. Number three is what is the one thing I know that I need to do but have not done? What is the one thing I know that I need to do but have not done? Now, let me tell you why this year, 2020, is super important to me. This year, I turn 49 years old. I can't even believe that sentence just came out of my mouth. I was hanging out with a group of people the other day. There's a little six-year-old girl, and she said, how old are you? And I said, how old do you think I am? She said, 23. I said, you can have all the money in my wallet right now. I mean, it was, it was great. I hadn't been called 23 in it forever, but I'm going to turn to 49 this year. Now, now, some people are like, oh, you're closing in on 50. Is that why this is a big deal? No, 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 no. I want you to listen to me. I'm not trying to be more, but I'm just telling you. My mother passed away when she was 49. That, to me, is is a wake-up call. And, And this is why, this is why. She was 49, I was 11. And I remember one of the most common phrases I heard after people would ask, how old was your mom? And I would say 49. They would say to me, she was so young. Which, when you're 11, 49 isn't young. 49's old. 49, you had like a pet dinosaur, right? 49 is 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 dirt old. But now, I'm turning 49 this year, and as I look back, you know what? She was pretty young. And when she turned 49, she had no idea that it was her last year. I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm simply trying to say that I want to do my best to live a life with absolutely no regrets. Because we only have one shot at life. Some of you believe in reincarnation. God help you. God help you. I love you because Jesus said I needed to. But listen, if I got to come back and do this again, oh my, just take me now, Lord. Take me now. I, we've got one shot at life. And, and one of the verses that's really stood out to me over the past two to three years is what is written in Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, where the Bible says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, I was kind of curious about how many days old I am, and I looked it up. Today, as we're watching this broadcast, I'm 17,720 days old. Some of you are like, did you actually sit down and figured that out. No, I Googled it. You can Google how many days and weeks and hours and seconds. That seconds kind of freaked me out. But, but you, can, you can Google how many days old you are. And the Bible says, teach us to number our days. In other words, to understand that our days are numbered, not in a scary way, but in a way that causes us to live life when regrets. But what is What is that one thing that we need to do? We know we need to do it. And by the way, if something's popping in your mind right now, that's the Holy Spirit of God. That's not me. That's God telling you. That's the thing you got to do. Because for for me, I learned as a kid <laughs> to procrastinate. My job, and I've shared this before, so it's, it's not a new story. My job as a kid was to take out the trash. That was my. That was I got. I got paid my allowance for taking out the trash. All I had to do, and then feed the dog. I'm Take out the trash, feed the dog. And and so I just take, but I learned a secret. I learned a secret. If you'll just keep pushing the trash down, by the way, I still do this till this day. I don't know if you do this or not. If you just keep pushing the trash and you, and like while mom and dad aren't looking, you got your foot in the trash can, you kind of like the banana peel hanging all over your shoe or whatever. But if you push the trash down, then you, but you don't have to take it out. However, as you push the trash down, when I was a kid, we didn't have these odor proof bags. The entire kitchen would begin to smell like the, what was in the trash can. And my mom and dad called on my trick and they were like, you can't push it down because when you push the trash down, it starts to stink. That's what happens in our lives when we push down what God is trying to call out. I'll say it again because it was good. That's what happens when we push down what God is trying to call out. So what's that one thing? Now, I want, I'm about to show you this, and I'm so excited about it. Whether you do it or not, that one thing, Jesus still loves you. It has nothing to do with Jesus loving us. It has to do with our quality of life, whether or not we're going to say yes to Jesus. Because at the end of the day, Isaiah 55 says, His ways are greater than our ways, and His plans are greater than our plans. So there's a dude in the scripture, and this, this story appears in two, maybe three of the gospels, definitely two, I think it's three, I'm not sure, um, named the rich young, rich young ruler. And he comes up to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of lists off a bunch of things, and the guy, I think, in all sincerity said, I've done all these things. What do I still lack? In other words, I've I've gone to church, I'm doing all those things. What do I lack? What's holding me back right now? And then this exchange happens, and I want you to watch carefully the words that Mark uses in his gospel. Mark said this, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him, which makes sense. Because he sat at a table, told his disciples, to love one another as I have loved you. No matter where you're watching from today, or maybe you're catching this on the podcast, or you're listening to YouTube, or maybe it's 10 years down the road, I'm going to go time stamp this, put it in a time capsule or something, I don't know. I want you to understand that, that God's love is not predicated on our obedience. That God, as He looks at you today, no matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, He looks at you, He feels genuine love for you. Period. It's not based on our performance, but it's based on our position as His children. So His love for us is not in question. We dealt with that a little bit at the Christmas services, okay? He said, Mark said he felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. He looked at the guy and he said, okay, okay, okay. You've lived a great life. On the morality scale, you're probably going to score higher than most people. But there's one thing in your life that we need to deal with. And I'm sure the guy had out his you know his journal and his pen. he's getting ready to write it down. And this happened: Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor. you will have treasure in heaven. then, then, come, follow me. I want to pause real quick and say this verse right here has been abused so much it's it's been used to tell people. If you're rich, you're ungodly, you, you should never be rich. You shouldn't drive a nice car. You shouldn't live in a nice home. You shouldn't have a nice phone. You shouldn't have nice clothes. Um, poor people are godly people, but I just want to just be straight up. I've had my stereo stolen out of my car, and it wasn't my rich person. I'm just saying. So it's not whether you're rich or poor. It's where your heart is. And Jesus wasn't addressing the world when he said this. He was addressing one person who he knew that money had a stronghold in his life. He was locking eyes with one. This isn't his mandate for the entire world. This is him telling one guy, hey, there's one thing you lack. Jesus wasn't telling him this because he wanted to take something from him. Jesus was telling him in this because he wanted to add value to him. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The Holy Spirit just gave me this. Thank you so much, because this was awesome. He said, if you do this, you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. He was inviting the guy on a journey. He was inviting this guy to have a front row seat to the resurrection, which happened six chapters later in Mark chapter 16. Jesus wasn't saying, come follow me and your life will suck. He's saying, hey, if you will deal with this one thing, you can follow me. You'll have a front row seat to the greatest thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. I'm giving you an opportunity to join me and watch miracles happen. Then Mark tells us, at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad for he had many possessions. His one thing was the main thing for in his life. And it was the only thing that he told Jesus no to. What was this man's name? Nobody knows because he held on to the one thing that Jesus said, let go of. All that in mind, what's the one thing that God's saying, that's what you need to start doing? That's what you need to stop doing. That's the phone call you need to make. That's the forgiveness you need to offer, whether it's accepted or not. That's the addiction that you need to admit that's the problem that you need to ask for help for what's that one thing because until we deal with that one thing we'll never step into the main thing that jesus wants for our lives which is abundant life so how do we have 2020 vision let's review let's review and and this is one of those messages where i really do hope and pray i know I know some won't, some will. But the ones that do, I'm would. i, I I'm just going to celebrate with you right now because I believe that that it, these are questions that I'm asking me, myself, personally, and kind of walking through and working through and praying through. And if you'll get by yourself for 15 to 30 minutes at some point over this next week, maybe even today, if you do it today, you know, right? Procrastination is assassination on the future that God wants for our life. So if we'll just do it today um, and get some clarity, it'll be awesome. But let's just review the three questions Really quick, number one, how can I do a better job of loving others? And that's a great, great question for all of us to ask. Jesus, how can I do a better job of loving others? Jesus, help me to see people like you see people. That question will absolutely change the way that other people see Jesus because they see him through us loving them. The second question we ask is, how can I have clarity in my spiritual journey? And remember, clarity comes from connection. Without connection, there's no direction. So what can we do for five to 10 minutes a day, every day, that connects us to the heart of Jesus? Because through consistency and connection is where we find our direction in our walk with God. And last but not least, what is the one thing I know that I need to do but have not done? What's the one thing, just like Jesus told the guy, there's one thing you like? If Jesus was standing, what is the one thing that you know you need to do? I've got my one thing. I've got it. God is working on it with me. So what's the one thing you need you know you need to do in 2020 in order to take your next step in your because he's invited. By giving up that one thing, he's inviting us into things that will blow our minds. Maybe, maybe, maybe the one thing is to just give your life to Christ. And right now, before we conclude, I wanna give you that opportunity. So let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for everyone who is watching today, whether they're watching online or they're watching two or three days from now, or no matter when, God, I just wanna thank you that people have listened to this message. I pray that you would take your word and you would multiply it in our lives. And Father, I want to pray for every single person that's watching today that the one thing they know they need to do is ask you into their lives to give you their life, to be, to, for you to be their Lord and Savior, stepping into 2020 with a relationship with you. If you've never prayed to receive Christ into your life, if you never asked Jesus to come in your life, then right where you sit, whether you're in your living room or your car or Starbucks, you can just say, pray in your heart right now. You say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross, rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. In Jesus' name I pray amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, if you're watching on my second chance website, if you'll just hit the hand raise emoji, if you're watching on Facebook, if you'll do just the little hand raise, just so we can know that you pray to receive Christ. I want to celebrate with you. Others of you, um, I hope and pray you'll take these three questions today or this week and work through them. And for everybody else, remember we're starting live. We'll be here live and online, but we'll have services January 5th, starting a brand new series Called The Table 8:30, 10, and 11:30. 2020 is going to be an incredible year. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you have a safe new year. The best is yet to come.